Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And today we'll be discussing Bared to You by Sylvia Day. But before we get started, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so others can find us. We'd also like to remind you that can, you can find us on Instagram at the PHX Nest Pod and on Twitter at the PHX Pod. You'll find those links as well as the link to our blog and email address in the show notes. Now to the book. I'm going to read this blurb. I want everyone to know it's not very long. <laughs> and I, I feel as though it's not going to be very helpful if I'm going to read it anyways, because that's what we do. So here we go. Gideon Cross came into my life like lightning in the darkness. He was beautiful and brilliant, jagged and white hot. <laughs> I was so bad. I was drawn to him as I'd never been to anything or anyone in my life. I craved his touch like a drug, even knowing it would weaken me. I was flawed and damaged, and he opened those cracks in me so easily. Gideon knew. He had demons of his own, and we would become the mirrors that reflected each other's most private wounds and desires. The bonds of his love transformed me, even as I prayed that the torment of our past didn't tear us apart. That's literally it. It's a huge disappointment. Okay, none of this. this is the first in, in what, a trilogy? No, it's like five books in a novella. Okay, so this is why this is disappointing. It is very vague. Like the vaguest. And it's very, like, obsession-fueled from the start. Yeah. And it's just like, we know it's a disaster, but we're gonna do it anyways. Which, I mean, is fair. That happens a lot. That's why Tinder exists. Yeah. You know it's gonna be a shit show, and then... You're doing the thing. So, anyways, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Okay, for, let's start off why <laughs> I chose this. Yeah, let, let's hear it, Jessica. <laughs> so, this is my bad book. Um, I would like to formally apologize to anyone who's ever read this ever in their lifetime. Like, what the fuck? Unless they liked it. <sighs> I mean, if you liked it, I'm not trying to yuck your yum. Like, at all. Like, that's you. You do you. This was not for me. Or for cat, for that matter. Um, so, as we know, I work in self-storage. Yay, I have a weird fucking job. And uh, one day, when I was a lowly store manager working with Biff, Cat's Cat's Biff, to be specific. I haven't seen him in literally years. He, was, he tore my carpet out, like, no, a couple I months ago. I wasn't here. I know. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's so weird to know about my coworker, but Okay. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, sometimes customers abandon units and we have to cut their locks off when we think that they're going to auction or whatever. And we cut this lock off and it was like a bunch of trash and like stuff that wouldn't sell. So our boss told us, go ahead and toss it out. Well, while we were going through it, we found the entire Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. And he was like, hey, I want to read these. And I said, hey, let me give you all the reasons why you shouldn't. And then this one was in the pile. And he was like, have you read this one? And I said, no. <laughs> now, the, oh, no. the thing you have to understand about Biff is that Biff did some time. And he read a lot while in jail because that's all you really have to do. Which meant he was not going to read this for himself. Yeah. Anytime he has to read for himself, he's like, fuck that, I'll just watch the movie. There is no movie. Thank God. Oh, God. So, um, I took one for the team, and I read this, and came into work every day, 
and gave him the rundown of the night before what I had read. So it was like soap opera, like retelling. Last time on Bared to You, Gideon went down on Eva after they went to the gym and she had a sweaty vagina. Kind of shit. Actual thing that happens in the book, by the way. It just, unless you're freshly out of a shower, everything's sweaty Ugh. at some point. And the downstairs area is not appealing after the gym. It's not appealing most times. Directly after a shower? Yeah, let's go for it. Anytime before that, that's going to be a hard pass. I mean, that's definitely the reason I enjoy showering with other people. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is clean and I know it. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so, we have a list. The list is long, I'm going to be honest. I had to use my smaller handwriting so it would all fit on here. Can you yeah. Can you read any of that? Yeah. Okay. I'm good. You forget I can read almost anything because children have terrible handwriting because we don't teach it. That's true. So I'm good. I was thinking more along the lines of distance, but oh, no, we're good. not my shitty handwriting. No, your handwriting's pretty good, actually. Nice. All right. Um, where do you want to start? I don't even know. <laughs> do you, let's do this. Give us a short rundown like you did with uh, Bittersweet Rain. Oh, God. Okay. So we meet... Our main character, Eva. Mm-hmm. She is a new girl in a big city with her BFF bisexual man friend, Carrie. She's from San Diego. Yeah, but she's pretending like she's never been around a skyscraper. So What the fuck ever. But, like, that's how she's like, I love this skyline. I'm like, y'all know that, like, coast to coast, there are big, like, buildings. You're right? in Southern California. Shut up. <laughs> Anyways, so they move into this, I want to say apartment. But they describe it as, like, a huge, almost penthouse-like apartment. Yeah. And one of the things that she says is that the month's rent is more than some people make in a year. And I'm like, the fuck? The least I made in a year, when I was in high school and you only work part-time, we make, like, 12 grand. So if we're comparing, like, real estate values, if the least I've ever made working my job was 12 grand, Okay, and that was Part probably time. around the time that this book was released. Right. Then why is it so expensive month? I know, like, I get it, New York people. I understand. It's squishy up there. You don't have a lot of space. Nice buildings are hard to come by, and they're hella expensive. But that, to me, means that you're looking at 15 and up, like, 15 grand and up per month. Yeah. In rent. So I was like, maybe whatever. Anyways... They like, they, Carrie is kind of like a party boy. He's, he's an aspiring model. And Eva took a lowly job at like an advertising agency that her rich ass stepfather and her mother were like, no, don't do it. Come work for Stanton. First of all, Stanton is a hella rich white man name. Last name. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no doubt. And she, throughout this whole book, she says how much, um, like she knows, Stanton is good for her mom because her mom cares a lot about money. And Stanton has money to spend and adores her mother. That is the most rich white person thing I have ever heard in my life. And I fucking hate it. And I just, I just don't, I don't know. There's a lot of problems with her family. Part of it being that her mom, like, refused to marry her dad, who sounds awesome, by the way. He's a police officer and he's, like, real down to earth. Can we talk about how her dad is basically Charlie Swan from Twilight, meaning the only actual character that mattered in the entire series? The one with, like... Good sense. Fucking and, like, love Charlie Swan. Real life problems. I would die for Charlie Swan. But like, okay, so Eva's mom has a lot of problems. She has a lot of money to play with. She has a lot of anxiety. 
She's very controlling. In we'll the worst way. We'll talk about her cell phone tracking issue. But anyways, he was like, fuck you guys. I'll let you help pay for literally everything, but I'm taking this job that you think isn't worthy of me. So, like, she starts her job. I feel like she only got her job for, like, a week or something in this book, which was really strange. Because I know that was wrong. Like, it was weeks. The time frame is really off and really difficult to track in like, this book. Like, the first week she's there is when she gets the first big account, which is Gideon's account. And then they're, like, pitching and celebrating. And then, some, like, you lose track. It's only because they get the account only because Gideon himself is a fucking stalker. We're going to get into that about fucking alpha male, male everyone's traits. A, everyone's a stalker in this. Honestly. God, yeah. Honestly, it's a little scary. So she, anyways, she's working out this and she finds out, surprise, Gideon Cross owns everything that has Cross in his name. Cause she's really stupid. <laughs> uh, like, she doesn't put two and two together. Like, her building is owned by him and it's called something with Cross in it. And she doesn't realize it. And the ad fire, or the ad fire, had agencies crossfire. And well, then they, the gym is cross. They're training. Cross something. Something stupid. Everything is cross. What was the hotel? I don't remember. The cross? Who fucking knows? Everything Maybe was she owned. Didn't away. But anyway, so Gideon's like taken with her right away. And um, he kind of becomes a little obsessed with her. And he's like, you know, we're going to sleep together. Just give into it. It's how it goes. 40 pages in, and he says like, he's gonna fuck her. What? So, they both are, like, fighting each other because they both don't have time for relationships and don't want relationships. I'm gonna put that in quotes. They don't have time. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, everyone has time. You make time if you want a relationship. That's so, how it works. We've talked about that before. <laughs> but, so... So, they're dating, but not dating because they don't want to be dating. But then he suddenly, like, rigs this whole thing where he's, like, making out with her in front of his gym, and suddenly he's saying that she's his girlfriend. And she's like, oh, shit, things about my past are real dark are going to come out. I need to sell him. And then she has, like, this breakdown, and then he has, like, a breakdown. And it just continually is a breakdown. It's a breakdown right followed by makeup sex, followed by another breakdown. They had sex in a lot of places. Like, did you really? Like, we should have tallied. Where? They're, they just fucked a lot. In a limo, in the hotel, in her apartment, in his parents' library, in his own apartment, in his office. In the shower in both locations. They didn't have sex in his office. I could have swore they she did. She blew him. Close enough. We're going to go with it. sex. Lord. They had the mouth sex. Whatever. Where else? Um, I feel like that's it, but I also feel like there's so many other places. I feel like, I think it's because it was so on consistent. Her, on her couch. Oh, yeah. He made her come on the couch. Which, I mean, who hasn't been there? But at the same time, like, you have a roommate. I don't think I've ever actually had that. Really? Well, you've always had roommates. I've definitely, like, made out. I was married. No, even when I was at someone's house, just us. Oh. We definitely used bed. I mean, there's more space. It makes sense. So, um... Anyways. So, anyway. So, it's all fighting, running away from each other, brooding, and then makeup sex, and then they exchange rings in a strange, not ceremonial BDSM thing. Because she doesn't want to, like, it's not collaring, but it's kind of collaring. That ring was heinously ugly, too. 
the description was really strange, and she was like, she was like, I feel like it perfectly embodies him and like the his strength and the way he was. It was like gold and silver yeah. braided with knots and crosses. Like, what the fuck did he buy her? Anyways, you reach the end, and the end is super fucking anticlimactic. Yeah, and satisfying. Um, and you're like, I get it, because there's gonna be a sequel. But throughout the entire thing, you don't answer to anything. It's just ridiculously cyclic frustration. Every time I turned the page, I wanted to scream. And then because I was in a weird place, like mentally, I'm just going to come out and say it. This goddamn global pandemic is making my anxiety bananas. Yeah. And because of that, I have depression with lowercase d. We're not at capital D yet. (laughs) We're trying to get that under control. It's it's hard to feel like you're not allowed to do things. Yeah. Like, I, so, we're recording at night, which we normally don't do. We just, I had family in town, um, which sounds like something you're not supposed to do, but it's my sister and her husband and their new baby, and I was staying with them for, like, a week and a half. Yeah. So, they traveled down here to, you know, see my parents, because they're the only AZ state grandparents that this baby has, and huh. so I live with my parents anyways. Um. So, there, there's no escaping so, it for you. So, like... Either way, I was going to either bring germs to my parents, or they were going to, some, in some way, bring germs to their house. And honestly, we don't go to the like, grocery store, and that's it. And it's Home. just like, whatever. Yeah. But. So, my brain, my brain has been very, just like, bleh. I took four days off because of all of this. It's really strange to know I'm off tomorrow as well, but that's beside the point. That's fun. Yeah. So, because of this, I was reading this book. Yes. I joined a virtual book club because I'm a nerd and I miss talking to people about books. So shout out to the ladies at Textual Tensions for doing this book club. We're reading a book that I'm adoring. And then also, I needed like a comfort read. So I binge listened to the audiobooks for my favorite trilogy. Mm -hmm. Nice. They're like 26 hours a piece. It's fine. I listen at double speed. We're good. So while that was going on, I didn't have the brain capacity to actually read, read this book. So I good read, as your pick then, not right? mine. I read it along with the audiobook. And I want you to know, every time these two characters fuck, that poor narrator had to act out all the moans and the gasps and oh, the, like... No. Oh, no. I hope they got paid so good. I hope she's doing so well in life, and I want her to know that despite this, I still love her a lot. <laughs> Would you ever do a voiceover for a book? Yeah. I think it'd be fun. I would want to. Unless I had to do like an accent, because then I would just be the best. I mean, I would too, but that's beside the point. So, um, I I listened to this on audiobook. It took me for fucking ever. There was a point in time where I had lasted three days and I didn't pick it up at all. I I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I read this book in two days because I felt not only that I needed to get it done so that when I came back here we could record. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, um, like I said, we're recording at 9.30 on a Monday night. Which is weird, because we usually record at about 3.30 on a Sunday. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, but I knew that I had to get it done so that I could come and record and be prepared. But I just, like, kind of had to power through it. Because normally there's, like, an enjoyable part of the book. Even if it's not a great, like, super well-written romance, you're like, oh, the sex scene was really great. That made me a little hot. Or, like... 
the character was really likable or whatever. Bittersweet Rain. It was just banana pants the whole way through. That's how I got through that one. Because this you one. You couldn't get turned on radiant. No. There's no way in hell. Because you were too into the, the side stories that you're like, what? This one was kind of similar, but more in the sense that you're distracted by how much everyone was fucking up constantly. Yeah. But you're like, someone pulled their head out of their ass. Someone. Any of them. It was awful. And it never happened. We're going to start with a list. Oh, Lord, here we go. All right. Lord, help us. We're sorry. Let's start off with alpha males. And the difference between a good alpha (laughs) and an alpha hole. (laughs) Okay. Um, Alpha males are... They're usually just... Well, I consider someone who's, like, in control. Yes. This is a little bit different because this was supposed to, like stem into the dom-sub relationship genre. Uh-huh. We'll talk about that as well, because we I don't think either of us really feel like it did that. It's on the list. a reliable, normal way. Um, but alpha males are, like, usually pretty take charge, and they're usually people who are, like, you know, flexing their power muscles in, like, kind of a sexy way, especially in books. This yeah. doesn't mean that that's in real life. Normally, if you're too alpha, I'm like, oh my god, you're such a proud boy. I hate you. If you're too alpha, you're probably the guy who goes to the gym and lifts too much weight and then drops it and feels like a manly man. It makes the gross moaning sound. Ew. Yeah. Like, I enjoy someone who is a take-charge individual. Not necessarily to take charge over me because I'm super bossy. Um, but, <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, like, someone that can give me... I, I want to use the phrase, like, tip for tap. Like, you give as good as you get. Yeah. And you're not going to back down from it. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of my friends are males. Because oftentimes women, in my experience personally, get kind of bitchy when you're sarcastic or you're joking in a way that they're not used to females joking. Whereas men are like, oh my god, you're fucking funny. And they, like, I give think, it to you. I think, too, like, when we get down to it, I think that's why you and I get along really well. Because I'm the same way. I have more male friends than I do female friends, especially when I was growing up. Yeah. A, they're less catty. I mean, they still got drama, but they're less catty. Yeah. And you can be the most sarcastic human being you've ever been with a group of dudes. And they're like, you were the best thing that's ever happened in my dumb male life. Whereas when you're sarcastic in a mixed group, you, the males are usually like down and they're like, whatever. They crack up and they like crack jokes with you. And the females are like, why are you flirting? And you're like, what? From personal experience. What? Why are you like this? No, that's been my entire life. Oh, it's awful. It's been my entire life since, like, middle school. And I'm like, so, so, alpha males, I enjoy reading a good alpha male. God, I love a good it's alpha male. It's hard to find a good alpha male, though, because a lot of people equate alpha male with complete dominance. So, here's... also not true. You can find really good alpha males in paranormal romance. Yes. That's where you're going to see a lot of those. Then we get into contemporary, and I have read very few contemporary romances where the alpha male is, like, a good alpha male. Otherwise, there were what we call alpha holes. Alpha holes. Alpha holes. This is an alpha hole. Christian Grey, Gideon Cross, these are alpha holes. They're yeah. so overbearingly if we masculine. Want to that even to Edward Cullen. Edward Cullen's an alpha hole. Yeah. Easily. Emmett Cullen is also an alpha hole, but Which we don't see so him a lot. I mean, he could have been good, but like I said, the only good character in Twilight is Charlie Swan. Which is also true and sad. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of the time, like, I've never, I don't think, I've never experienced, like, a true alpha hole in real life. I have. But I have experienced, like, bits and pieces 
of men thinking they know better for me than I know. And that's just not true. Like, not just necessarily in the sex aspect. Like, oh, I know what you like or whatever. But just, like, the toxic, like, you're doing it wrong all the time thing. I'm like, shut up. My coworker, I cannot tell you how many times. He was like, why don't you hand me that grinder? Girls shouldn't. I'm like, back the fuck up and let me do this. I can get this done faster (laughs) than you can put your safety goggles on. Or I could just do things. So, I mean, it's not always a sexual thing. No. And I think that's really important because in books, especially romance novels, it's written as a sexual thing. Mm -hmm. That they only dominate, like, in the bedroom and the boardroom. And you're like, okay. Which reminds me, Alina Jacobs has a new funny book. Does it have to do with a holiday? No. Damn it. It's called The Successor. Oh, no. And, oh, my God. You need, I read the blurb part and I was like, oh, my God, why am I reading this? So that's my (laughs) next thing. Um... That reminds because it's the boardroom thing. Um, but a lot of times, just in romance novels, it's equated that they're domineering in every aspect of life, and that's just not true. I know plenty of men who are very competent and dominant at work, at their work. Mm-hmm. As soon as they're out of work, they're like normal people, and they're not like like I have very like maybe once in my life. Seeing someone walk through the grocery store and be like, hot damn, like, he controls the room. Not normally. That's not a normal reaction. I'm also not looking for that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's sometimes those people that just, like, turn your head. And you're like, fuck. Like, they walk into a room and you immediately know that's the person who's in charge. But that's very rare. It's very because rare. Because it's usually something that I feel people reserve for things. Like, I don't teach her my friends. Mm-mm. It doesn't work that way. I might have a teacher tone sometimes mm-hmm. and be like a smart ass about it. Oh, I've heard it. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. But It's great. But it's one of those things that you, if you are living in a healthy and balanced world in your personal life, you are able to separate. And so when people can't separate that, it's a little bit weird to me. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to find the balance and it's really weird to read it mostly in romance that you have these ultra-alpha males and these yeah. alpha holes. But I also think this is kind of what makes people romanticize things intensely, like um, police or firefighters or military or... Because if you think, like, those cat or cowboys for some reason... Because they're the alpha men. They're the ones who are taking charge and getting shit done. And that makes sense, though, because if you look historically at a lot of what the contemporary romance is, it's a lot of CEOs, cops firefighters. Yeah. Which is totally fine too. But again, if you are going to be a cop and you're going to cop at me at home, I'm probably going to be really annoyed. We're going to have some problems. It's going to be a problem. I'm going to fuck you up. And so I think the idea of having alpha males very dominant and prominent in a novel is fine. But writing a character that lacks control over themselves is not okay. Mm -mm. And we have a lot of that. We have a lot of um, a lot of issues. Period. End of story with it in this one. Even if he wasn't trying to be a dom sub dude, he has problems. They oh all yeah, have, they have like weird problems in this book. There's so much trauma. We're gonna go through their traumas here in a bit. Um, with him being an alpha hole, he lacks consent. Like he lacks the the thought of consent. He's very demanding. How many times was Eva talking, and then he just slammed his mouth onto hers? Sounds awful. Like, get the fuck off of me. But the other problem was that she seemed to just go with it. Go like, oh, okay. 
She, like, turned to jello. And I was like, ugh. All I could think of every time that he, like, smashed his mouth against hers, I was like, did their te- teeth just clack? It's like, that's the Those worst thing when you're kissing. Kiss. Yeah. Got bruised lips and, like, your nose gets smushed weird. No. Well, I don't no, like that. No. No, so there was a lot of issues with that. And we have talked so many times about how consent is super, 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 super important. Um, so we're not going to go into it too far because fucking ask. Done. See, part of the problem, too, is he got her all hot and bothered and then kind of asked for consent. The only time there was, like, I would say a true consent was when they were having mutually consensual sex in that hotel room. Mm-hmm. And they talked about their rules of, like, clean and whatever. Yeah. But, like, again with that, the other thing that was really huge turnoff that is tied to consent is he literally tells her things like, I'm going to fuck you. Which, in a normal setting, especially because they're at work, that would be considered like... That is sexual harassment. Yeah. Or, I'm going to come in you. What if you don't want that? Um, no, sir. You're not. And let me give you all the reasons why. Nasty. There are just, there's just so many things. There's too many things. Those were, so, I mean, the consent thing, technically, yes, there was some consent, but also there was not enough consent for this to be considered a healthy relationship. Yeah. It lacked a lot in that department. Yeah. I just, can we please read more romances with fucking consent? Please, can it exist? And it doesn't even have to always be like a, can I kiss you on the mouth? Like, no. it's not that. Maybe, That's not what we're looking for. Maybe you, you can, yes, if it's gentle and you're not smashing your face against mine and our teeth aren't going to clack together. Also, I feel like some authors get confused and think that consent means that the woman takes over. Mm-mm. Which is, which is like the reverse of what we're talking about. The entirety of BDSM is founded on the basis of safe, sane, and consensual. And this is clearly not one of those things. No. It's not safe. It ain't sane. And it's certainly only sometimes consensual. Yeah, he almost raped her. Oh, God. We're going to get into that in a minute. His weird, just everything. His trauma, if you will. So we talked at the start of this. Yeah. You kind of described how they didn't want to do this with strings attached. Right. It was just... They so annoying. They didn't want titles, and they didn't want to be, like, put in this box, and then they put themselves in this box because they have issues with being possessive and being jealous. And they're both really upfront about that, oh. which is great. That's great communication. I mean, at least we had that. But what did it take to get to that? A lot. Him going out with his ex and her being hella jealous about it and not knowing that that was his ex and just thinking, well, didn't we just fuck in the limo and now you're going out with her? And he, like, didn't even really go out with her. No. She just wouldn't let her explain, which is one of my biggest fucking pet peeves. Just talk to each other. Please just talk to each other. But, so they both get insanely jealous, mm. which leads to the whole you're mine, you're mine in an unhealthy way thing. <sighs> I, okay. Sometimes it's sexy when your partner says, you're mine. <laughs> this wasn't sexy. Yeah, no. This, this was... This felt like he wanted to put her in a hole in his basement and wear her skin as a skin suit. But to be fair, she also didn't have a really great history of, like, healthy relationships with hardly anyone. Okay, this possessiveness, too. We're going to take this into her mother and her weird need to control her adult daughter's life. 
They so we've talked before um, about it's realistic for us that we share a location or our other friends do or like my sister does with me and stuff. <laughs> Especially because we do things like travel or you know, like I drive to Phoenix we by go, myself. We go hiking. What if the both of us yeah. go missing? Someone's gonna have to find us. Yeah. So like it's not necessarily a you're gonna get kidnapped and murdered kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But it is like a safety thing. Yeah. And so I think that's fine. It can be unhealthy if someone that you're sharing a location with constantly lies or chooses to omit the truth to like use your location against you. Yeah. Or, you know, something like that, which I mean is also something that's kind of unavoidable, like depending on the situation. The only time I have ever checked your location was you were going through some shit. Your anxiety was really bad. Oh, yeah. And you had left here and let me know that you were going on a ride. Yeah. Like, I'm going on a drive. Feel free to check my location. I'll be back in, like, a couple hours or whatever. I'll text you when I get home. But if you want to keep an eye out, kind of a thing. Yeah. Which is, like, the safe thing to do. You were in a weird mental state. Yeah. And you didn't want to go home. Whereas this is her mom is in a weird mental state and has to track every movement of her daughter in the big city, even though she's a goddamn adult. And how dare she want to do Krav Maga? Which I don't understand that either. Yeah, so it starts with um, her mom and her stepdad are like, we'll help you out with getting a cell phone since you're moving to New York and all this stuff. And then it turns out that they're actually using her cell phone, the mom is, to, to track her. And yeah. the stepfather is like, well, it just uses your mom's mind. But then they start interfering with things. Like, she wants to learn Krav Maga because she thinks it's a great workout or it's good for, you know, protection or whatever it is. Yeah. And her mom hugely overreacts and then has the audacity to, like, invest in the studio and make sure that they have protection and, like, guards and set up that a driver will take her to and from this gym. And I'm like, what? He Stanton is, like, enabling this woman's mental health problems. I mean, I've definitely been an enabler, but I would never say to this level. This is awful. And she has a therapist. Like, she sees... That she likes to. Someone... I Yeah, Eva has to go with her at one of the appointments and be like, yo, did you know she's doing this because she's a crazy psycho? And he was like, yo, did you know doing that makes you a crazy psycho? But, like, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. It was really difficult to read that. And it was really difficult to try to process that. But they did process it in the book. Like, they discussed it and everything. That was one of the only um, weird storylines that had an actual resolution. Even though her mom still is, you know, anxiety-ridden and whatever. I have anxiety, but I'm not tracking people's cell phones. I don't care to. I'm just not gonna. So that's that on being possessive and being weird and not understanding that there's a line that has to be drawn and you don't fucking cross that shit. Yeah. Do you want to talk about their trauma? Okay. Well, so they both clearly, actually, the three, I'm going to end Carrie as the main character in here too. The three of them all have some trauma. Carrie um, was into a lot of drugs and using sex as like a shield. Yep. And he still um, fucking does. He still does in, like, a weird, unhealthy way. And the way that he met Eva was through their, like, group. therapy group. Yeah, their group right? therapy. And um, then they, like, became best friends. Um, but Eva's 
trauma is that she was like continually raped for like years by her stepbrother. Yeah, and that they had like adult people who were servants in their house who like knew and never did anything about it. And then when she got pregnant, she was fourteen and thought she was having a really bad period, but she was having a miscarriage. And then they, but they did like some research into that because you know. When you show up having miscarriage at an underage age, yeah. there's a lot of uh, authorities involved. In yeah, it's not and a good time. So then they did some, you know, check it out <laughs> and found out that she had a lot of, like, scarring and a lot of problems and she kind of finally told them. And then they, like, paid her off. The, yeah. The, the one stepdad and the, the protective stepbrother. Yeah. Paid her off, and she refused to touch the money. And they swept it under the rug and, like, hid it really well and so then that no one would ever know. And then her left with them. So that's Eva's. And then Gideon, we're not sure. We're so not sure, but he has night terrors. He has night terrors where he fiercely masturbates. Was that not the creepiest scene you have ever read in your entire life? It just... It was weird because there's one where he's masturbating furiously, but, like, in a painful way. And then All, like, where he crunched almost, up and tight. And where just he almost old. rapes her. And just, I... If there's anyone in this series that needs to seek serious therapy, it's Gideon Cross. It's the man with the masturbating nightmares. How terrible. Well, not only was, like, that's also, like, that's super fucking scary. But then he's also saying awful things. God, horrible things. To whoever in his dream he's doing. And we never find this out. And, I mean, to be fair, we're not intentionally reading the rest of the series, right? No, fuck no. I tried once. It's never happening. So, like, we don't know. We can look it up later. We we probably will just to, like, settle our minds. <laughs> but, like, because it's such a huge issue, it's weird that it doesn't come out. Like, at least in Fifty Shades. Like, that was not until, what, the second book that you find out what his problem is? Yes, because... Like, his real problem. Sh- not the burn marks and whatever. Well, because there was the scene where he handed her red lipstick and gave her, like, he drew where she was allowed to touch and where she wasn't. Which is also terrible. But can we, like, there's a parallel here with Fifty Shades. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot. lot. There's a lot of parallels. And they both, both of these alcohols have trauma. And it's weird, like, sexual trauma. Which is also something that if you've read a good actual BDSM, people that are vetted and have had trauma have dealt with their trauma in a much healthier way than how these people are, these alcohols. And it's not saying that just because you've had, like, a traumatized past, you can't lead a normal life. It's saying that when you choose to ignore it and deal with it in unhealthy ways, like power play, in this way, it's that. Because both uh, Christian Grey and Gideon Cross also have the issue of they feel that they're pushing their outermost limits when they give up any amount of power. And it's too much for them to handle. It's hard, and then they're like, "But I'll do it for you," and it's like, "But that's not healthy." That's no, that's you don't. Still not healthy. You don't do it for someone else. You do it for yourself. And if you can't give up power in any form, especially during sex, then you shouldn't be. You're not ready to. Yeah, it's not a thing. We do. Or if you willingly give over all of your power, 
without thinking of the repercussions and you just do it because they said so, that's also super unhealthy. Yeah, we do have to commend Sylvia Day just very briefly on the fact that she knows she has a flawed alcohol as a main character. Yeah. But she puts him in therapy. Yeah, and he willingly goes when she says, listen, I want us to try therapy because I think I love you. And it's been like two weeks. But I want us to have like a real chance. And he's like, you know what? I'll do it. And then he not only goes to the couples thing, which we never see. Do they actually do couples therapy? Yeah, he signed them up because he was going to go by himself on Tuesdays and they're going to gather on Thursdays. That's right. And but we never see it, or at least I don't remember that bit. Um, (laughs) So skim reading, going, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. No, I don't. I just don't. I don't think they did couples. Came back with meds. That was so that he could actually sleep. He would sleep and not rape her. And furiously masturbate in his sleep. But that, they never did couples therapy. Not in this, I don't no, think. No, I don't think so. But maybe, maybe that's in a sequel. Could be. Which There's I hope it is. Five more of them. <laughs> the most resigned sigh ever. not on my reading list. <laughs> um, so, like, he at least is willing to try things. Because I guess this, this kind of leads to him. Yeah, when he lives alone, he, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like. It doesn't matter. But now, I just, I don't know. He's just frustrating to me. Do we want to talk a little bit about the weird wave of mom porn that came out when Fifty Shades of Grey came out? And, like, anyone that had ever thought about MILFs in, like, a way that they needed something to entertain them, like, what's going to get them hot and bothered? Weird BDSM erotica. moms at home. What? What was that trend? Where did that trend come from? I think it's funny because, so, like, Fifty Shades was, like, the pinnacle, right? Yeah. And we know that it's, like, fanfic and all this. But it was the pinnacle because everyone was like, it's so naughty. You're, like, reading about BDSM and, like, forbidden relationships. Meanwhile, if you were ever on a website called Literotica, (laughs) there is literally every category in every genre and subgenre with any characters and theme you could possibly think of. So this is not new. It's just that people who are reading things like literotica or actual printed erotica aren't waving it in people's faces being like, you have to read this. No. He fucks her in the ass. And you're like, what? Yeah. That was a Fifty Shades reference, by the way, not oh. this reference. This We'll get to that in a minute. There's another one of those. But... But, like, that was the thing. Like, everyone was like, oh, I'm so scandalized. But everyone's talking about it, so I must read it. No, you don't, Rebecca. Stay home. Like, watch your free porn. (laughs) Get the Literatica app. And you'll probably be fine. I mean... You'll read better things, honestly. Yes! There are so many things that you could read in the erotica genre. Shorter ones. That are actually erotic. That have better characters. Yes. Although there's some stuff in there that you just don't understand. Like, have you ever read, like, this is very off topic, but have you ever read when they have story contests? And you kind of, like, I always just kind of, like, skim through the list to see what they come up with. Yeah. There's some weird shit that people come up with that is loosely themed around Christmas or Valentine's Day. (laughs) And there's always something where I click on it and I'm like, what the fuck am I reading? And then I read the, like, little, like, category thing and I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Do you ever read something and then you're sitting there going, why am I still reading this? Why haven't I stopped? 
Yeah, because it's like not good and the story is not good and the characters are weird and you're like, I don't know. And you just keep going because at the end of the day, it's a trash novel, <laughs> but there's nothing else for you to do. There's one that I read. And the only reason I finished it is because I truly did not understand what I was reading. <laughs> and so I got to the end. I was like, I still don't know what was happening. Like, there's something about this woman that would go down to a lake or something. And I didn't understand because she was living on, like, a different place. And they did she, like, have sex with an octopus? What? It's supposed to be, like, an honor. I was so confused that I, like, read it. And I didn't understand what had happened. And I'm wondering now if it was, like, a middle installment in some weird series that I didn't know existed. Maybe. But, like, it's one of those where you read it because you don't get it, and then at the end you're still like, huh? You're just trying to understand it. like, but never why happens. is this lady going to the octopus? Why is that a thing? It's not a thing. Um, with the weird BDSM wave. Yes. We have to talk about how BDSM is in the erotica romance section. We don't need to talk about how BDSM only means in books. That we've read. Spanking, butt stuff, and handcuffs. That's all it is. It's always butt stuff. Why is butt stuff supposed to be a butt? forbidden, Jessica. I mean, eggs only, naughty. but... It's just, it's just... There's a lot happening. But, like, there's a lot more to BDSM... Not that I'm well-versed in this, but from reading of other books, there's a lot more that goes into the dom sub thing or the... Like, there's so many weird categories, like, furries. Oh, God. Like, you know, there's all these other categories and stuff. But, like, those are the three major things that we seem to run into constantly. And there's always traumatized past or drugs. Mm -hmm. And, like, abusive relationships and, like, I'll die without you kind of feeling. But then it's linked to the handcuffs, spankings, and butt stuff. I wish I could remember what book this was. And I read this... Forever ago. In fact, I think I read this after... No. I read it after Fifty Shades, before this. Uh-huh. And it's a BDSM romance. It's in the erotica section. It was an ebook I got on my fucking Barnes & Noble nook. Cute. Didn't even have a candle at the time. I had a nook. And the only reason why I can't find this is because I can't log into that account to figure out what this was. But she was the dom. Okay. And he was a, a police officer. They had to go undercover for a weird sex trafficking reason. And they got into a safe, sane, consensual, and healthy BDSM romance. And that is what that was. That was the best BDSM book I've ever read. And now I'm sad I don't remember it. Interesting. Yeah, I have no idea what that is. Then we could have compared and contrasted and it would have made sense. I I can tell you what the cover was. I don't really jump to a BDSM genre very, like, quickly or naturally, so that's not a thing for me. Most of the time we're forced into it. But let's talk about how this is in the erotica section. Yeah. And there was nothing erotic about it. No, it was all, like, power plays and, like, exhibitionism, maybe, I guess is what you call it, because, like, the car. Yeah. And the the library. Let's talk about the library for a minute. So they had a fight, mm-hmm. and she storms out and carries like, so let's go to this party. Which happens to be at his parents' house. That his evil brother, stepbrother, Step- evil stepbrother, invited her to. Half-brother. Whatever it is. Whatever. Invited her to and her model roommate because it might be a good place for them to network, and it'll be a good time, and he's like, I swear Gideon won't be there, you don't worry about it, if you're mad at him right now, it's not a big deal, he never shows up to these things. 
And so she's like having a great time and dancing with the brother. And lo and behold, Gideon shows up and is like, I don't want you to be here. Which is literally what he says and then drags her off the dance floor. Which does not explain the why she shouldn't be there. The why she shouldn't be there is because the brother is a different kind of alcohol. Uh-huh. And he's terrible and awful and uh-huh. manipulative. Yes. We don't know that until like 10 pages later. When he explains it to her, no, like farther than that, when Carrie shows him the nasty video after Ugh. they've hate made up, yeah, by fucking in the library. Okay, so he takes her into the library to explain some things to her because she's talk- kind of being a bitch. Yeah, she like is like slapping him, like she's laughing across the face. Yeah, I mean, I would have too. He tries to kiss her, ugh, in way of convincing her to not leave him as his not. A- Good way to do that. It's been his tactic men from the beginning. I don't think men listen to this. I mean, we have one that kind of listens. He puts it on to be supportive. <laughs> Whether or not he's paying attention. <laughs> so, love you. <laughs> we love you a lot, and I'm sorry I missed you the other night, but it's fine. Yeah, you missed two nights in a row. I did. I suck. But I was being. I was here making you guys masks, if I'm being honest. And you said you didn't want to tell me. I was tired, <laughs> and I needed a moment. No. So, anyway, he pushes her up against the door, and then he eats her out under her dress. And while he's doing that, his ex? Is it his ex that comes no, in? Or is it the other chick? No, woman that wishes she was with that, I can't even remember her name, because she's so igni- insignificant, Maggie. I don't care. Maggie's his ex. Maggie. Yeah. She's not. Caroline, or whatever her name is. I don't fucking remember. But yeah, whoever that is. So, she walks in. Eva makes eye contact with her. Ash is being eaten out against her wall. And then she leaves. And Eva doesn't think to say, hey, we're being watched. She comes. Yes, instead. And then, she asks Gideon for butt stuff. Because she wants it. She's never had it enjoyable, but everything he does, she would enjoy. And he's like, I don't do anal play. And she's all, just try it. So he takes the cum that is dripping onto the floor. Because they had sex on the couch. In a sexy way, because he's like turned on by it. And puts his finger in her butt. And then his brother walks in. Under her skirt. His finger is still in her butt. And they have a whole conversation And then he leaves, and he finishes what he was doing. End scene, I'm angry. Do we ever find out if he washed his goddamn hand before he touched her face? I'm still mad about it. I know, theoretically, he got a warm washcloth and probably soaked up his hands at the same time. But I'm mad about it, because it was really descriptive about making sure she was clean and how that happened. But did he wash his butt finger before he put it on her face? Who knows? There's just a lot. I'm very passionate about that scene. I hated it so much. That is weird. Like, why is there no lock on the door? Why if are there, there is a lock? Why didn't you use it? Why are there two doors? Why do you not say, "Oh shit, there's someone watching you eat me out" as your first instinct? Hey, we're at your parents' house while a party is happening in the backyard. There was a lot that went on in that scene that was just horrible. It was all bad. And none of this stuff falls under the category of erotica. Not in my opinion. There was a lot of sex. Yes, it was very descriptive. Yes. But was it erotic? 
Also, yeah. we've said this numerous times, and I feel like no one's listening to us, but both cum and spit do not qualify as lube. I yelled it when we got drunk and went to watch the second Fifty Shades of Grey movie, and the one gay guy in the back cackled. I don't enjoy the idea of someone lubing up anything with cum. Listen, it's like every single water-based lubricant, it's going to dry up. Yes, there are things that you use water-based lube for and things you use silicone-based lube for, but you have to understand that spit and cum and other bodily fluids are not lubricant for butt stuff. I'm concerned about what other bodily fluids people would be attempting to use, and I don't want to know, but we're just saying that, yeah, we get that, like, in the moment of writing your sexy, it might sound sexy to be like, I can't help myself. Uh, this is here already, but they make packets of lube that you can literally put in your pocket. I have read I don't enough. Think porn doesn't help because in porn there's a lot of spit. I have read so much gay fan fiction at this point in my life <laughs> that I can tell you every single one of these gay fan fiction writers know that lube comes in little disposable packets. There has never because been. You don't need an entire bottle of lube. No, you don't. I mean, you, you can mean, have. It's like conditioner. A dime sensor <laughs> should be all you need. Yeah. De- depending on what you're doing, to be fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're really I'm sure there are other reasons you would need more than that, but, like... That's pretty much it. If you're doing pretty normal things, you should need a whole bottle. Um, do you want to talk about the weird slang that irritated the both of us? Oh, okay. So... Or do we want to end on that? Uh, Let's end on that, because it's funny. Okay. Let's actually, yeah, let's go to the weird room situation in all of these weird BDSFs. We're going to compare Christian's Red Room of Pain to the room that Gideon has recreated in his apartment for when Eva needs to run away, that he needs to feel safe and that she's still there. I just, I understand the thought behind it. Like, he's really frustrated that her first instinct is to literally run away from him, no matter how dangerous that might be. And so he's like, that needs to not happen, especially since she seems to do that in, like, the middle of the night. So, barefoot in a robe. With his millions, he has replicated her bedroom at home based on his one time being in there and a photo of her sleeping. Like, he even has the bedding and the wall color and the furniture. And he's like, I made this for you. So that you can feel safe, which hey. sounds super sweet. It's like, here's your favorite blanket hey, to keep at my house. Edward Cullen, we need you to step back a moment. It's just, the idea behind it would be considered sweet, but the, like... She finds it sweet. A little bit weird, but she finds it sweet. I found it stalkery. <laughs> if someone presented you with a closed door and was like, guess what's on the other side of this? You're like, what is it? And you open it. It's your bedroom. I'd be like, the fuck? Why? If I walked into someone's apartment that I was seeing and he's rich as fuck, he or she, they are yeah. rich as fuck. And they open this door that's an offshoot of their office and it's my bedroom replicated. First off, you remembered every single book on my bookshelves? Because there's a fuck ton in there. So, I'm concerned, like, just why this was the easiest fix. I'm also concerned, okay, we get it, they're madly in love. 
after two weeks. <laughs> Did they not spend a single night away from each other to have a little breather if they're having that much of a problem? I want to sleep in my own bed with my own sheets and my own weird blanket and my own space so that I can breathe and hate you a little bit. Sometimes you need to do that. That's just all I want to do. But, like, I understand, in a weird way, his line of thinking, like, this would help comfort her until she calms down. Because she does kind of get hot-headed. And she often, like, turns to him and is like, fuck you, Gideon. And then he's like, no one talks to me like that. And then she's like, well, someone get away should. from me. And, like, that's, like, the gist of their fights always. And then it turns out that she's being hysterically jealous. And he's being stubborn and hard-headed. At the same time, if you're having those conversations, maybe you guys shouldn't be together. Also, maybe it's worth sitting down and fully explaining why you are. Like, because she openly was like, I'm really jealous. And he was never like, but why? No. And really, we don't know why. No. We don't understand. There's no resolution. There's no resolution. It's grasping at straws. It's awful. Let's now go into this, because we are now at, like, an hour of recording. Okay. I would like you to know that whilst we are a diverse group Mm -hmm. that you've seen come through here, Mm -hmm. I'm very straight. And so there's one line in this book that stuck out to me very much, and I thought to myself, why is this in this book? It's not a gay novel of which we've read. Mm -hmm. I've had multiple gay friends. Mm Mm-hmm. In different versions, capacities, what have you. Had a roommate. All that good stuff. I'm queer as fuck. So. We know this. The line that drew my attention was when he says to Eva, I don't like when someone is topping me from the bottom. Okay. That's a gay term where the person who is the bottom is in control of the sex because the person that's on the top is not in control of the sex. They're topping by being in control from being underneath you. That is not a term you use in heterosex. As a hetero person, I can guarantee you I have never said, I'm going to top you from the bottom. As a gay person? Or not that even. <laughs> as, as a queer person? I have said that. I've had that said to me. Because it's a very strictly gay Thing. Yeah, a queer thing, I guess. It's a queer thing. It's it's a queer term that you use during sex. And it, it may just be because in heteronormative stuff, if you're taking control on the as the person on the bottom, generally you're thought of as that's the female role. Yeah. Which is whatever. We don't have to get into that. But then they just be like, oh, you're being a little dominant. You're being a little aggressive. You're, you're taking being, control. You're being a sex vixen. Yeah. Like, that's a hot thing. Whereas in queer stuff, they specifically come up with things that are descriptive to let everyone understand what they're into. Okay. So, here's... Let me give an explanation for this, okay? It's just a lot. As a queer woman, we're gonna we're gonna have a chat. I'm gonna knock things over as Yeah, well. you are. Good lord. It's fine. Okay. So, in a heteronormative relationship, you have a man who has a penis... You have a woman who has a vagina. One goes into the other. Things are great. Okay. There is no tops or bottoms because it's assumed that the male is the top, the female is the bottom because of the various parts and how they plug into each other, if you will. Yeah. Lock and key. Though, exactly. In a queer relationship, whether that be two women, two men, two non-binary, 
and any assortment of which those things happen. You have people who ask you, who's the man and who's the woman? Kind of dumb shit, right? And the way that the queer people get around this is we say things like, I'm the top, they're the bottom. Meaning, I'm the one who's doing the thing that is most masculine while they're doing the thing that is considered more feminine. Which is interesting because you don't have to be masculine or feminine to be a top or a bottom. No. Like, just because you're a bottom doesn't mean that you're flamboyant and feminine and whatever. And just because you're a top doesn't mean you're super butch or bear or whatever. Exactly. That's just not how it works. That's not how it works. But that is an easier way for queer couples to explain to their stupid cis straight friends that don't get it who the man, who the woman is in the relationship. That's kind of how that works. And so to read Topping from the Bottom in a Straight Romance, I have never been more confused in my life. Well, okay, so the only reason I think that this might be in here, which we don't know, is if he was in some way in a gay or queer relationship before this, and he would want to use that language. But it's it's just a little off. Because she seems to be fully like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what that is. Yeah. Whereas I don't know that that's true. Other than she, she has a bi friend, like her BFF is bi. I don't know. And is that the reason why she knows what it is? But can we please talk about has Christian, has Christian, right? Has, they're basically the same fucking person. Has Gideon Cross ever been with a man? And I think, though, if so, I think that could be where his trauma came from. Maybe. I just, I fully expected him to kind of take her to, like, a sex club and be like, I'm your master. Especially after he sat her down at his desk and was like, well, listen, here's here's the thing. You're a sub. And she's like, no, I'm not. You don't get to make that decision for someone. Especially not outright. Like, you would have to sit down and have a conversation about, listen, Normally in my sex life, I'm pretty dominant. I'm I'm a practice job. I am learned mm-hmm. in the dominant things. Ways. You know. And then you would probably say to that person, your tendencies when we're having the sex are a bit submissive. And I think that that would be a great thing for us to explore. Not just, you're a sub. Like, what? Well, and it was kind of like he told her, you're a sub because I'm the dom. And this is how this relationship is going to work. And then he's like, but it feels good when you give up all your control. And I'm like, I don't think that's what she said. No. I think I'm not arguing with him that he's wrong, but I'm also not accepting that as a full truth. No, no. Um, So we have discussed at length how much we hate this book. I'm going to be honest, I still hate my pick more than yours. And, you know, that's fair, because I hate my pick more than I hated yours. Really? But I think it's because we've both already read them. And we had to reread them. And we had to reread them. I just felt like mine, like, it's not really fair to compare them. I felt like my pick was awful because of the time and the language and the borderline incest and And the the, dastardly old man. You had This one. Yours was bananas. Like, it was really hard to follow. This one is difficult because it's... Like, infuriating to read something that has no resolutions, and the only thing we know for sure is they're in a relationship, and it's not going well at the end. It's, like, emotionally like abusive. It. Yeah, it was an emotionally abusive book. I like every turn. And not only it. just, like, 
romantically, but her, like, platonic friendships were bad, too. So much toxicity. It the best awful. relationship was her boss and his partner. Oh, my God, his husband. They were kind. They I, were great. I loved them. The only characters in this book that mattered. Um, so we discussed last time um, with Bittersweet Rain that we are not going to give these star ratings. No. We won't do it. No. There's not even a dot to be put in a star to make this worth anything. Right. And we also always feel the need to reiterate that we're not saying that this person is a terrible author. We're saying that, like, the themes in this book, for us, weren't ones that really, like, struck a chord. And that doesn't mean that other people shouldn't read this book or... Shouldn't um, like it. Like, should, yeah, feel the need to be like, you're right, this is awful. If you're someone who generally agrees with our ratings, because um, we don't even agree with each other all the time, no. or if you agree with some of our opinions on other books, and this is one that you were curious about, these are just a lot of the points that we felt detracted from it being a truly good romance novel. And that doesn't mean that other Sylvia Day books are bad. It means that in this instance, we just didn't enjoy the content of this one. This book did not make us happy. It didn't ring my bell. No, it, it wasn't something that I read and immediately said, oh my god, you have to read this, as with right. some of the books that we've read in the past. And we've said that about quite a few other authors mm-hmm. in very different genres. And so it just, it happened to be that these this book and the one before it are just ones that we had so much difficulty with the content or the language or... Um, the ideas that were supposed to be portrayed as, like, healthy, adventurous things mm-hmm. and we feel aren't... We are not experts. No. In dom-sub relationships at all. We're not experts in, like, writing. Like, we're just giving our opinions. So if you don't agree with us, totally fine. Feel free to let us know that we're stupid. <laughs> well, like, that's bad. We'll humbly probably agree with you, but also ask you to say... But, like, why? Like, give what us a redeeming factor? Yeah. Give, us, give us a redeeming factor for it. justification. Like, we've presented all of our <laughs> arguments here. Um, but, we yeah, don't... We're, we're not trying to discourage you from ever reading Sylvia Day. This is much like the Jasmine Guillory conversation we had, where we tried, or at least I tried, multiple books mm-hmm. by the same author... And it's felt like the writing style is just not one that clicked for me, which is normal. It happens. That's I, why some people don't like Harry Potter, even though they're wrong. Thank you. I get it. Some people don't like Star Wars either, even though they're wrong. So, like, <laughs> whatever, I get it. It's fine. So, with all of that being said, if you do want to read um, our last book and this book, you're welcome to. These are just our opinions. With all of that being said, if you want to read this, you're welcome to. However, it's just not for us. Um, so we are going to get into our next read and we're going to get into something kind of weird. I found this on a weird Barnes and Noble trip. Um, and I gave Kat a list to choose from. Um, yeah, your list was like way all over the place, by the way. And I was like, um, I don't know. Cause we needed, we needed a paranormal romance to go with this round. Cause it's been a while and it's my favorite subgenre. And I only have so many on the shelf that I could choose from. Right. So the options were, what was it? Dragons? Dragons, paranormal, and something else. It was, okay, it was dragons. We're also working towards another historic. Yeah. So. Dragons, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and um, vampires and angels. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We went with dragons. 
Yeah. Um, so our next book is going to be Darkest Flame by Donna Grant. It's a Dark Kings novel. I don't know. I've never heard of these. Okay. All I have to say is, hey, St. Martin's Paperbacks, shout out to you for putting the number on the series. Hey, that's helpful. I fucking love this shit, and I wish more people would fucking do it. Uh, So, yeah, join us next time as we discuss Darkest Flame by Donna Grant. Um, It could be fun. It's the first time I've ever read a dragon romance. I have unfortunately read some. Oh. This could be a blast. It's gonna bring back some weird memories, I think. <laughs> oh, what if it was this one and you just don't remember? Do they collect small dragons that do different things and mm. raise them? Mm. Like, no. Like the Dragon Queen? No. What the fuck was that series that I read? <laughs> I don't know. I read like know. three or four books, but whatever. It was medieval times. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it next time. Uh, With that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Stay safe in this weird time. And remember that only bad bitches read romance. Bye. Bye!